0: Welcome back, my friends, to the Failing Forward podcast with Nikki Loesch. I have a dear friend of mine. He's kind of like my big brother, kind of like my mentor in like the whole clubhouse arena. Uh, Bobby Del Rio with me today. If you guys don't know Bobby from the streets of clubhouse, then you should probably know him for some of the other amazing things that he's done in the film and TV industry. Although if you're in the U.S., maybe you don't know because he's Canada-based. For now, he is moving to Los Angeles by this summer 2022. Bobby Del Rio has a 20-plus year career in the film and television industry. Let that settle for a second. 20-plus years in film and TV. This is not just a guy that just showed up yesterday trying to get his gig, but he's been well-established in it for a long period of time. He actually, fun fact, secured a distribution deal for the market during the pandemic. I'm just going to pause there for a second. During the pandemic, secured a distribution deal, which is super hard to do if you guys don't know about film and TV. Um, And it's a feature film that he wrote and he directed. It's currently available on Amazon Prime, both in the US and in the UK. So definitely go check that out. And you might see him in his newest role as Tommy in several episodes of Polly is the New Monogamy created by Kat Hostic. So a lot of cool things that Bobby's doing, definitely a rising star in the film and TV industry. Another fun fact, he became super, super, super famous nationally in Canada when he secured a deal with a Hollywood producer through the social audio app Clubhouse. I think that's pretty cool. Bobby, am I am I saying that all correctly? Fill me in if I'm wrong.
1: Um yeah, for the most part. I mean you really did your research. I was like, oh man, Niku's on the case here. Jeez. Wow. (laughs) Wow. It's
0: a great bio. I appreciate you.
1: It's funny because we don't it's like we don't really know each other. In this sort of like strict professional way. So, but I was like, man, like you're like Oprah right now. That's pretty good.
0: Well, you know, I'm, I'm trying to just be more like you, Bobby. You are one of the top social audio influencers on Clubhouse. I feel like any room that you pop or any squad that you join, you guys just have 400 plus people listening to you from nine o'clock in the morning until 5 p.m. in the afternoon on Saturdays. You and Carmelia and Emily and the mama moderator. I mean, you guys are just like amazing. How do you do it?
1: Um, well, okay. I think, here's what I think. I think the people who are the most ambitious on the app, we always find each other. Um, and I think that to be honest, like I've connected, um, to, I don't know, most of the top mods on clubhouse, um, organically by accident, not necessarily strategically. There's been a couple of people It's like, Oh, I'd like to get to know that person more, but, um, I just think like, find, like us, like how do we connect? I don't know. I think we're both just super ambitious. You know, we have the same kind of vibe, the same energy. So it's natural. And I think the people who try and force um, who their people are, it just comes off the wrong way. That's why you see a lot of people like, kind of ass kissing and can, I can't really swear. Right. So I'll try to feel like there's a lot of mamas. You're, watching you're your
0: totally good. I mean, I've definitely dropped a couple of, uh, yeah. explicit lines sometimes accidentally. So it's all good.
1: I'll be on my, I'll be on my best behavior <laughs> uh, I, with you. I, I have a potty mouth, uh, but I will say um, the people who force the connections with other people on Clubhouse, uh, you could tell it comes off as awkward. And for me, I'm incredibly uh, sort of ambitious and accomplished. So that's, those are the people that I naturally align with on Clubhouse.
0: I love it. When did you join Clubhouse? How long have you been on that app?
1: Uh, February 2nd of last year.
0: Wow. So not even a year. And you have a following of where are you at now? 30,000?
1: Uh, not, no, not yet. I'm at 24,500 followers.
0: That is amazing. And this is global because you have people from Italy because you have your your famous room, Italians in Hollywood that you pop. You have people from all over, obviously the US, the UK and Canada because that's where you're geolocated. But it's really, really cool to see the authenticity of the relationships and the connections that you built both on the app and off the app. Because I know when you and I connected, we kind of crossed paths a few times through your social media room on Saturdays. Um, There's a really funny story about Uh, a famous opportunity for me to speak on stage in June when I was driving through the hills of Sedona with no service. And that was like our first real meeting. Um, But then we kind of like reconnected through Breakfast for Champions. And that's where we started our relationship. And we took it from there to Instagram. And from Instagram, we've had some phone calls. And it's been really, really cool to, to get to know you. And I think a lot of people, they see Bobby like the Insta famous clubhouse famous guy, but they don't really know your story about how you got to where you are today. They see you being highly successful with a very, very long career in film and industry, but they don't know your day one. And that's really what I want to dive in today because our audience is really about how do we get to this level of success, whether it's in relationships, it's in our careers, it's in just being a good human being in the freaking world, right? But they don't know the failures that we endure along the way and the challenges and the trials and the tribulations that we have to overcome and learn from to get to where we are today. And that's what I want to highlight about your story. You ready for that ride? I'm
1: uh, I As ready as I'll ever be. Ready, you know, it's I mean, look, it's a lot to be honest, like I've gone through a lot and, um, but I've, I'm very comfortable with you. So let's, you know, let's, let's share.
0: Let's peel back the layers of the onion. So yeah. going back to day one, people see you right now in film and industry. How did you get started in that? How did you know that was your calling? Cause I don't even think you went to school for that. Did you?
1: Um, okay. So I didn't go to school for film. Um, I did go to school for acting. So not, Like so much of a stretch, but I will say I did not originally go to school for acting. I originally went to school for economics, Um, calculus, accounting. Like uh, I was going to be a finance guy.
0: You're a math nerd. Just say it.
1: I'm a math. No, I'm a dork. I'm I'm a really big dork. My, my, my My braggy mark was grade 12 math where I got 98%.
0: Wow. That's incredible. Now, was this calculus already, or were you doing calculus in 10th grade? Like where were you at?
1: So this is can this is Canada and this was also the nineties. So I think it was a lot of um Don't give away I'll- your
0: age, Bobby. Come on now. Oh,
1: uh, you know, when I, I was born, when I was just born. Um yeah, so so in Canada, we actually we have like at that time anyway, we had four years, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, and then another Another year called OAC, which is basically to prep you to go to college and university. So
0: That's pretty cool. I think a a fascinating thing that I learned about Canadians, um, all my neighbors here are all NHL or just retired NHL. So they're all from Canada. And they told me about how their kids that are coming up in the hockey world, specifically, they leave home at like 16 years old to go and be a billet at someone else's home or place. Um, while they're trying to come up as a professional hockey player. Is that customary in Canada, just in general, with, like, careers and professions, or is that just hockey?
1: No, I mean, that's, I mean, look, Canada pumps out um, arguably the best hockey players in the world, right? Especially, you know, we have one-tenth uh, of the population of the United States, so I think it. it what it more speaks to is hockey is hockey's really a religion in Canada, so people will, I, I don't know, do anything they can to give their – children the the best chance to succeed in the realm of hockey Uh, but that's not that's not like a common Canadian practice outside of hockey not not really
0: okay I wasn't sure if that was just like in Canada we're just gonna ship our kids that at 16 years (laughs) really successful as in acting and film and all that because I've I've really learned a lot about the hockey Uh industry a lot just from my my next-door neighbors and it's been fascinating fascinating to see how kids are leaving home at 16 and they're going to go live in the States with another family. And they're going to go through that whole professional hockey career to get into the NHL. And yeah, it's pretty,
1: I feel like your world is really fascinating, you know, like the sort of like private life of professional athletes. Like you're really inculcated into that culture.
0: Yeah. It's pretty cool. You know, when I met my husband, um, back in the day, he was playing for the Milwaukee Brewers at the time and, It was kind of weird because when we first met, like he had this tattoo, like on his forearm of like a baseball with like a flame. And I immediately knew he was an athlete. And I was like, yeah, no, I I have a strict no athlete policy. Like we are not going to talk, but, um, he has a great gift of gab and we hit it off and fast forward, we're married. We have children, like it's all good. But I remember when I first started to meet his friends, I was like, oh, these, these guys aren't really that they're not like bad guys. Like I thought, I thought like all athletes were like sleazy and like super cocky and just, you know, I had my opinion on them, but Uh. I've met all of his friends and they're all like super cool, genuine human beings that just worked their butts off becoming an expert in their craft, whether it was throwing a baseball or hitting a baseball or playing hockey, or we have a lot of PGA golf tour players now that I've met who are like so incredibly disciplined and it's just cool to see like they're real human beings that just found at an early age, what they loved and what they were willing to commit themselves to 150% and sure. becoming the best, not just at their crack, but the best at being the best version of themselves. Cause it's not just a physical thing when you're an athlete, it's so much more mental than people give it credit. Like you have to work on your mindset. You have to work on Overcoming your self-limiting thoughts and beliefs. You know when Kyle would get on there in the third inning and he would have three balls and two strikes, and this hitter is like about to swing one off of him with bases loaded. He had to like really get out of his way of thinking. Oh my gosh, the worst case scenario might happen right now, and he had to like, like trick himself to thinking, "I am a badass." This next pitch is going to be, you know, down and out to the corner, whatever it is that he says. I really don't understand baseball. I'm not, gonna but wow. like his mentality was. I'm am so capable of getting this guy out. I'm not worried that the bases are loaded behind me. I'm not worried that I have, I'm one pitch away from this guy, either walking into first base where I'm walking in a run, or he's going to hit one off of me and possibly score a double or a triple or a grand slam. Like he knew that he had the ability to execute. He had this, um, Kyle, don't get mad at me for giving away some of your juice, but he has a song that he would play in his head and he would kind of like hum it to himself right Mm -hmm. before that pitch that just like got him in the group. (laughs) He's like, I'm about to freaking get this guy out. This inning is over, you know? And, and it was so cool to, to hear from my husband, like how much these professional athletes worked on their mentality and their mindset and how they have sports psychologists working with them. And like, they spend equal amount of time, if not more time working on the thoughts that are going through their head as they are in their craft and their ability to become the best physically at it.
1: You know, what's interesting is that um, it's the same thing in, in acting. It's the same thing. It's, I tell people this all the time. Um, the, the most underrated aspect um, of being a professional performer is, is the mental aspect. Right. It's it's almost the exact same thing, right? A lot of people are like, oh, whatever, you need to look good. And how do you memorize your lines and all the different things? To be honest, all that stuff is easy. Like the, the difficult part um is, is the grind, is 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 managing the uncertainty. Is everything is gonna go wrong and how are you gonna step up? It's 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 the athlete mentality. Um I actually I worked for two Olympic athletes for a television production company when I was like 20 or something for a summer. And That left an indelible impression where I really realized the link between sports psychology and success in the film and television industry were exactly the same.
0: I totally believe that. And I think the reason why is you guys go through so much. I don't know if it's the right word, but rejection, right? Oh, yeah. To get to that success, like athletes, it's countless times, trying to get onto the starting lineup or trying to get onto a team or even like talking about my husband Kyle he had to fight for his spot every single start he had to fight for his contract every single not even like start but every single pitch really because there was always a next guy that's trying to take his spot that's trying to take his role and there is finality in that industry, whether it's in athletics or it's in film and TV, because a lot of people do look for like the new hot talent, right? Younger is sometimes thought of as better in those industries. Am I correct?
1: Oh yeah. Well, I'm in Hollywood now. I mean, if there's ever, you know, if there's an industry obsessed with youth, I mean, it's Hollywood, right? So, um, it's funny it's, you know, and I don't, I don't know your husband. I I look forward to meeting him one day. Um, but, I feel like that with clubhouse in a way is that every room is a pitch for me. Um, It's, it's cause it's also, it's live. Like you can make, you could make an egregious error by saying the wrong thing one time. And as you know, I'm in, I'm in the biggest rooms on clubhouse, right? I'm in rooms sometimes with over a thousand people, right? Like, you know, I had, I had a, a relation. We had, anyway, I was, I was dating somebody on clubhouse and, you know somehow there it was there was a public drama that happened, and then there were two thousand seven hundred people commenting in real time on our relationship yes, right that's scary um last night, I very sort of like spontaneously ended up running a room about um, you know sort of like contemporary American racism um f- you know from the african-american point of view with many people who were disagreeing (laughs) and i was it was like i was sort of like unwittingly thrown into the fire of i don't know maybe the most polarizing debate in the world uh and it went well and we had a lot of respectful people um but it's like it's that same thing right it's you're kind of like in these situations where the bases are loaded it's a full count and every pitch matters
0: yeah. A hundred percent. I think people don't understand in your, in your specific industry, how much failure has to be overcome in order to get to like that one success. So you've obviously been working in film and TV for 20 plus years, but let's talk about the countless amount of times that you were given a role and then you practiced for that role. You learned your lines and then they just deleted <laughs> <laughs> that character right before oh, yeah. or or you you went through your lines you did the filming and all of that and then when the final product came out you're like wait where am I they decided in editing that this character didn't suffice to make it to the final end agreed
1: yeah I mean many many times I, I remember I did a commercial a few years ago and you know it paid pretty well and I was like oh here we go and here's my commercial and I told all my friends and everything and then it, and it was like the whole commercial cuts and then I come in at the end and I make a joke and it was going to be it was I mean, great. It was this great campaign. And I get a big laugh at the end. It's very memorable. And then the commercial comes on and everybody was there. And here we go. And then we go. And the commercial goes. And then the logo. And here comes my joke. And the joke wasn't there. <laughs> I was like, I'm, I, but I come in and then I say, nope.
0: Yeah, and they never tell you. It just these are decisions that are made yeah. behind the scenes. It's like, okay, you did your job. We paid you. Next, you know, it, and it's it's a lot of that. So it's very much a mindset game, a mental game where you have to remind yourself, I'm not a failure. I am on my way to my next break. I'm gonna break through at some point, and I just have to keep on moving forward. So, can we talk a bit about that mindset and that mentality and how it relates to the? The common person today that just in a game of life, especially in the last two years with this pandemic, we're all going through these last minute changes, these things that are just happening behind the scenes without us being told about them. And we have to still keep a positive mindset, put one foot in front of the other and essentially fail forward.
1: Yeah, you know, it's funny. I, I think I've managed the pandemic uh, pretty well, to be honest. I mean, I've built this big thing on Clubhouse and um, I got myself to Hollywood. I have all these projects, but you secured I
0: secured a distribution uh, deal when everyone was struggling financially. Of course you did well.
1: Yeah. Like I I've had a good pandemic career wise. Um, but I I think the reason is that um, I'm pretty good at navigating un- um, uncertainty. Right. I think that's what we're we're sort of talking about um, because my entire career is the most uncertain thing in the universe. So this is just, an, you know, even from a financial perspective, I'm so used to the most volatile things happening that I had prepared for the the conditions of the pandemic 10 years before the pandemic happened, just out of paranoia. Like I had saved a good amount of money and paid off all my debt and debt-free um, just in case something happened where I wouldn't be able to have any income for two years. And if that happened, I would be fine. And then the pandemic hit and, you know, most I think people in North America are are sort of unable to pay what is it like a month or two of bills like without income? And then look at all the horrible things that have happened where for me, like I have, I had a diff what I call a defensive financial strategy where if the worst case scenario happened, I would be fine and I have been, I have been fine and that is not to brag, but it's very much a product of living within the most volatile industry in the world. Perhaps being an athlete is, is the only thing even more volatile. I don't know. Um, but I'm so used to managing uncertainty that it really does permeate every aspect of my life. So when the pandemic hit, OK, well, I'm a little bit more bored, but I was not phased. If anything, I doubled down. I'm more productive. Right. I have more projects. I have more possibilities than ever before because I'm I'm just always prepared for worst case scenario.
0: I think that's incredible. And I know that there's a lot of people that are listening right now in our audience that they have been impacted, whether it's financially or socially or mentally by the pandemic in a negative way. And I think it's, it's because we haven't set ourselves up for the worst case scenario. Now, I'm not saying that you need to have a plan B by any means, but in the event that let's say something happens, whether it's a global pandemic or you get sick your health takes a turn or someone close to you something happens you need to invest your time and effort and energy and finances into supporting that situation like for me i could only speak about my father right he was battling cancer for, for many many years it went into remission came back remission came back and at the tail end of it there was a period of time where the doctor said he's he's not gonna make it and i had to make a decision to put everything on the back burner uh, including, I was studying at the University of Bocconi in Milan at the time in finance, so we had that math nerd similarity there. But I had to make a decision. I'm going back to the states. I'm going to put bad education on hold, and I'm going to just spend these last days, weeks, months, whatever it is that I have with my father, because you you just you never know when the last day is, when that last breath is going to come. But the issue is, a lot of us don't plan for the when, right? And I think one of the best financial advices that i was given when i was younger in my early 20s by a mentor of mine was number one have a minimum of six months right of savings put away in the bank, like take all of your expenses today. If that comes out to $4,000 a month, multiply that by six, you need 24 grand stay saved and stockpiled away. Just in case something happens, you can at least have six months where, you know, you can make ends meet. You don't have to have the stress about your finances and you can try to get your feet underneath you. Maybe that number needs to be more like nine months or 12 months or whatever, but minimum six months is, what was recommended. The second thing is he told me to open up an account that I would not have access to and just put $5,000 in there as an emergency fund. So if anything happened to me medically, and let's just say I needed to have a last minute 911 surgery, I wouldn't have to worry about, can I afford to have the surgery that could potentially save my life? Because I know I have access to this $5,000 emergency fund sitting there. So I think those two things have definitely helped me overcome a lot of times in my life that I've had to pivot, whether it was when I stopped my sales and marketing company and I started to get more into the fitness realm or going through the pandemic, not being able to teach classes at gyms anymore, or live in person. I knew I'd be okay because I had that stockpile. Would you agree that's a good strategy for people? That's
1: exactly what I do.
0: I love it. So in managing uncertainty, Let's talk about how we can manage uncertainty, not just in our careers, but in finding the balance between having a successful career and managing successful relationships.
1: Oh, God. Well, this is where the podcast ended. So thank you. It's been a good time.
0: (laughs) This this is where the juicy stuff comes in, you guys. So go ahead and push push the pause button, go grab your cup of coffee or your glass of wine, sit down and grab your notebooks. Cause this is really right. the meat. This is the heart of the convo. Right.
1: right. Now you can press record now, right? Cause I guess the podcast just started. You got it. Uh, okay. Well, I'll look, I'll be very honest. I'm not going to say people's names, but I'm going to be very open and honest as uh, as I always am. Um, I struggle with this. I struggle with this deeply. I, I will say that I can very clearly um, identify sort of like the greatest accomplishments of my career over time. And I pair them with the worst personal failures of my life all the time. And I don't know why that is. Like, I don't know if that's me. Reframing the narrative or something. But I, it's so pronounced that now it's almost a joke to me because it's like inextricably bound to one another, right? It's sort of like professional success, personal failure, professional success, personal failure constantly. So even this, this sort of rise to social media fame or w- whatever, this sort of a like clubhouse thing, obviously, from a professional standpoint, Um, it's been incredible, right? There's a a billion amazing things that have come out of it, right? Um, At the same time, it's been one of the most difficult uh, personal years of my entire life, right? Uh, I had many, many sort of disastrous things happen um, to the point where it's like something amazing would happen to me on Clubhouse or I'd get some great interview or some... You know, like I got my agent in Hollywood and all—all all these things, right? And and people would be interviewing me or something, and I would—I'm supposed to be elated, and yet my heart is sort of secretly broken in the background, um, just constantly to the point where I—I I literally associate one with the other. So I'm hoping that does change over time, and I do wonder am I. Am I doing that? Like, is this like a subconscious thing where I, I'm torpedoing something? I really don't know, but it's definitely like, it's it's difficult. It's very difficult to find that balance for me.
0: So I'm going to go ahead and and chime in here and let you know that it's not just something that you are doing. This is something that I have seen across the board with the number of people that I've worked with, not only in my health coaching business, but as a former executive, like I ran a highly successful direct sales and marketing company. I had 47 offices all over the country. We had over 400 reps that were were running our our programs. And I work with the other high-level executives that were managing huge organizations. And my mentor who had, I mean, he had branches all over the world. And I saw that same correlation of high success in business equated to low success in relationships because their time, right. was being invested into um, business strategy or goal setting or goal achievement, constantly traveling on the road and something got left behind. And oftentimes it was those relationships that didn't get that quality time. They didn't get that attention. So mm-hmm. now when I'm working with executives on holistic health, they come to me, they're like, Hey, I need help with fitness and nutrition and looking and feeling my best. And I'm like, okay, great. Let's take a look at the entire picture. Let's look at your social life. And if you were to rate that on a scale of one to 10, what would you give it? And the majority of them would give it anywhere from a two to a four was like the maximum. And this is people that would equate their business life to like an eight plus, right? Eight, nine, 10. I mean, no one really ever said 10 because there was always room for improvement, but these were highly successful seven, eight and nine figure earners that were telling me that they were struggling in their social life. They were majorly struggling with their health, wellness, and fitness. That's where they brought me in as a coach and mentor, but they were highly successful in business. And it all just comes to finding a way to to win in all those departments and not just getting completely focused on just one thing. That's not to say that you shouldn't continue to be successful and you shouldn't operate your business at an eight out of 10 or a nine out of 10, but there's a way to lace in the social life. And there's a way to lace in health and fitness that will still fit into your current lifestyle, achieving great success in business, but will just help you elevate across the board as a human being.
1: So the only thing I will add to this is I, in terms of social versus uh, business life, same. That's my story as well. I will say health and fitness. I'm also at a really, really high level. Um, it's it's a very important priority to me. in Great shape, um, very healthy. All those things. Um, and when it comes to a personal relationship, like a romantic relationship, I'm always aware of making time. Like I like it's not it's not something that I take lightly, but it's also like since I got divorced, so I got divorced. Oh my god, here we go. Um like six years ago, I have, I don't know something, there's a definitely like a negative pattern that has emerged that was not um present before, right? Like I don't know if it's like the kind of women that I have dated or my approach to dating or like something, something fundamentally shifted in me um, after I got divorced where I haven't had like a healthy um, relationship. So not, like not, and again, I don't want to throw anybody under the bus or anything, but it's not because I, I don't necessarily blame them. Right. But definitely the relationships I had before I got married, were pretty normal, and the relationships that I've had after I got divorced have been mm, troubling.
0: Would you say that there is an underlying sense of fear from your standpoint that maybe this relationship is going to fail as well?
1: One hundred percent. One hundred percent. Look, maybe it's maybe it's that simple, but it's it's also like. I don't know, even the women that I'm attracted to, it's different, right? It's um I if anything, I actually try way harder, which maybe is a product of that that fear as well. But then it's like I try too hard or like I don't know, and then I like, oh, maybe I'll be the casual hang back. Like it's like I'm just a very like, I don't know what
0: you're very cerebral about it. You're like really thinking about every move. You're very intentional. And I know there's a lot of our listeners because I've had people reach out to me directly through direct messaging on Instagram or in an email saying that they're failing considerably in their relationships. And how did I find love and how did I settle down and how did Kyle and I make it work when we were long distance and he was playing in the MLB and I was running my business in Los Angeles. And, you know, a, a common thread that I see for many people that have failed in their relationship, whether it was a failed marriage, right? A recent divorcee or someone that had a very, very long-term. I mean, I had this one girl who was in a relationship, very serious relationship for nine years. And she thought they were on the path of getting married and she was planning on having children. I mean, she was invested since 25 years young. Now she's 34 and the relationship ended abruptly. And she's in a position where she feels like she has to really expedite this whole dating process because she's on this um, time clock of how long she has to have children. Right. And it's, it's been very stressful for her. It's caused her to really live in a constant state of stress. It's affecting her sleep. It's affected her health and her health. And it's been affecting her dating life and her relationships because she'll enter this relationship, try to fast forward everything. Hey, I'm 34 turning 35, like I am looking for a serious relationship. I want to get married. I want to have children. I don't want the children to come before the marriage. Like these are my, my things. And she scares these guys away. Um, But it's really coming from a place of her operating from a state of fear that, Hey, this, this, this clock, right. That us women have and how long we actually like our reproductive years. Right. Um, She's operating from this place of, I don't have time just to let things happen organically or I had another executive. He's highly successful. This man is in his sixties. He was married previously and got divorced in his forties. And he's been dating now for almost twenty years. He's like, hey, I'm highly successful. Like finances aren't an issue. I, I can I date all different types of women, whether it's it's models to businesswomen to not businesswomen to whatever. And I just cannot get this relationship to work because at the end of the day, I feel like there's no genuine connection there. And it's because he feels that the only way that he can attract these women is through experiences and material things, right? It's, I don't know. It's just like this, this mindset that happens when we have a really tough failed relationship that there's an emotion underlying left over from that relationship. And we take that into our next experiences. So when I think about fear, one major thing comes to mind. And if you're listening right now, grab a notebook, grab a pen. Write down the word fear vertically, F-E-A-R. And then next to that, write down false evidence appearing real. When we operate from a state of fear, whether it's in business, it's in relationships and it's in failing forward in our health like we we start things off with this underlying sense of fear right if we were to put ourselves in this circle this comfort zone it maintains the barrier and the boundary of that circle where we we continue to live within our comfort zone. We don't allow ourselves to break through a permeable layer to outgrowing that comfort zone and failing forward. in whether it's the relationship or the business venture or your health or whatever it is, because you already have a fear that I've tried it before. It didn't work out. I've been hurt. I've been disappointed. I've been abandoned. I've tried to lose the weight. I couldn't lose the weight. I've tried to Whatever it is, make fitness a part of my life. And I hated it. I was bored of it. I quit on it. Therefore, I cannot be successful in it. I have a fear of failing again.
1: That was awesome. (laughs) That was like, wow, it was so cool to see you like in the zone like that It was so like, yeah, this bang on.
0: Yeah. So when when we're talking about relationships, I know a lot of people and I was one of those people in my twenties. I was, I was that person. When I met Kyle, I remember meeting him and I was immediately afraid that this is a professional athlete. He's going to break my heart. Therefore, I cannot be with him. I cannot talk to him. I cannot date him. It will not work. And I'm lucky that he was persistent enough and consistent enough to not give up on me simply based on my fear that he was able to give me that peace of mind that he wasn't going to be that person because If he just accepted that this girl is way too much, like I cannot convince her that she is safe with me and that I'm not just going to, you know, squash her heart and hurt her feelings and move on. Then guess what? I would be in a position where I'd be trying to give my all and having failed relationships. So I think it's, I think it's two things. When we look at relationships specifically, number one, it's allowing yourself to be vulnerable. And let that other person know that you are afraid and letting them know why you're afraid. Allowing them to see you for who you are today, but also who you were and what you've gone through in the past and relationships that have hurt you and left you with this sense of fear. Secondly, I think it takes the right person to understand who you are, but not hold that against you. When times get tough, right? Not use that when you guys have a fight or an argument. Oh, you see, you, you're you too weak. Like, you're always just going to think about leaving. No, they can't use that against you. There's a fear there. They need to accept it. And they need to work through it with you. I think that's something that I see happening a lot right now in today's dating world. I mean, Social media has been amazing for so many things, but all these dating apps, I mean, it's, it's made dating so hard because there's so many options available and it's, it's not like the olden days when our parents or our grandparents were dating, where it was like, this is the one person and you didn't just have, you know, this app that you just swipe right, swipe left, swipe right. And you have 30 other options you can get, you can put 10 other dates on the calendar for the next seven days they didn't have that back in the day. So there was more of a commitment towards working through things together. And there was this understanding that I need to really try to get to know my partner on a deep emotional level so that a, I can understand them better and know the things that I'm going to say and do. that are going to propel them forward and feeling this love and affinity towards me. And also the things that if I said them or I did them are going to hurt them and make them retract back into that comfort zone. Does that make sense?
1: Oh, yeah. People don't want to fight it out anymore. They end the relationship.
0: 100%. It's, it's, it's too easy to quit.
1: It's too yeah. easy to quit. Also, I was like, I had to do a double take. You were like when I was in my 20s. I was like.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm in my mid 30s. <laughs>
1: Good for you.
0: Thanks. You know, health and wellness and fitness have done me well.
1: Yeah, I didn't know because I was like, I was like, hold on. She's married. She has children. She's done all these businesses, yet she's 24 years old. I don't understand the math.
0: Yeah, no, in all transparency, I know a lot of women don't like to talk about their age or whatever. I was born in 1987. I'm 34 years old. Um, I had my first child at 32. So I did wait into my thirties to start that, that aspect of my life. I committed my twenties towards self-development, self-growth, entrepreneurship, running my business. And then, you know, I met Kyle in my late twenties and it just worked out It just worked out.
1: I presumed you were a child bride.
0: Oh, thanks. I mean, like at- maybe culturally speaking, if I was living in Iran, maybe I was like destined to be married at 14, 15 years old, but no, I'm first generation.
1: Oh, it's- I didn't. Even- I was a joke. Do they actually? I had no idea.
0: Oh, yeah. Like there there are people in my immediate family that they were their marriages were set up and they were married in their teenage years and they were having their first children by 17 and they had nine kids before they were my age. Nine. Oh yeah. My grandma has, I don't even know. I want to say my grandma had nine children. My mom being the last. My father is one of six. His father was married to three different women. (laughs) Oh my God. Yeah. You know, it's every culture is different, right? But my parents both fled from Iran during the revolution came to the States. They met each other. It was really funny. My, my dad, when he was in Texas, his college roommate was my mom's older brother. So he saw the picture of the family on the mantle and told my uncle, I'm going to marry that girl one day. And it was the baby sister of the family. And my uncle was like, heck, no, you're not. I will kill you before that happens. Well, my dad (laughs) made the trip from Texas, drove across the country to California where my mom was living with my grandma in Los Angeles and pursued her. And, yeah, they got married, and that's where I'm the honeymoon baby.
1: Good for, good, of course. Wait, so he yeah. saw her and then drove across the country to meet her?
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: And never spoken or anything?
0: No, they hadn't spoken yet. He drove across the country. I want to say my uncle was like going back to visit my grandma or something, and my dad just like invited himself along just so he could meet my mom and pursue her.
1: My God, that's like, that's like pre Tinder.
0: A hundred percent. That's what I'm saying. Like things were right. so different back then. It was like you met someone and you were writing letters and you were mailing letters and you had to wait five to seven days for that letter to arrive and then another week or so to get a response back. Like there was a totally different investment of time in getting to know someone, and you couldn't, you couldn't do that with multiple people. It was just too much work.
1: But you know what's funny? It's 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 almost the same thing just a very different timeline it's almost like he saw the photo right like it came up and he's like super like you know and then it's like yes that's like 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 like." yes and then it's all the way you know the only
0: difference is yeah he like swiped right i think it's right is right when you like someone left when you
1: don't yeah Yeah, yeah.
0: so he swiped right he liked her and they started to pursue her the difference is in the pursuit of her, he didn't have this app that he can continue to swipe right and left.
1: Right. Right. that's, that's the biggest difference.
0: Yeah. He was really, really focused on that one person and allowed it the space to breathe and grow and give life to it or for it to falter and not work out. And then he would move on. It's about focus falling on course until you're successful or not. When you're in a relationship, you have to focus on that relationship on that person. And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out, but don't be trying to like juggle all these different people at the same time. That is a recipe for disaster.
1: See, I'm, I'm, I'm like that, right? Like I will find a a woman that I like, and then I focus on her. Now I will talk to, you know, like, especially with clubhouse, to be honest, like the number of women that have contacted me through that app, like it's insane. Like I'm, oh, I'm like, sure. what? like, well, you're, you're famous, right? I mean, certainly, in the context of clubhouse, I think that's a fair statement you know um but but I'm not like i'm a one woman person like I was married you know so i I do you know I know a lot of people and I meet people, but when I find someone I really like, like I'm focusing on making that work um but i'm again I'm very frustrating because it's like I feel like I'm unable to make it work, and it just never works out, so that that's frustrating but I don't know. I keep moving forward. I'm failing forward.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think it's the universe trying to create space for the right person. And rather than getting frustrated by this didn't work out, allow yourself to look back on that relationship and reflect on all the things that you learned from relationships, but more importantly, all the things that you learned about yourself, the things that you love about yourself, that you want to continue to hold forward in future relationships. And maybe the things that you didn't like so much about yourself where you're like, I didn't like the fact that I was trying so hard just to please her. And I didn't like the fact that I was putting everything else in the back burner to make her my number one priority. Maybe I'm not going to do that again in the next relationship. Like really analyze what did I love? Take that forward. What did I not like so much? Leave that behind and allow it an opportunity for you to learn and grow.
1: Yeah, look, I think that's good advice. That's very timely too, right? I'm like, okay, I'm going to do that.
0: I love it. Well, I'm excited to see you continue to feel forward in your relationships and hopefully Mrs. Wright. And I put Mrs. in there because I know you have that desire to, to marry again. Hopefully she's hearing this episode and saying, this is the guy, like I got to reach out to him or you just know yeah, that man. you're getting closer and closer to her. Remember just like in acting, just like in film, just like in sales, just like in marketing, just like in life, every single no is preparing you for that. Yes. Every single no is getting you closer to that yes so don't give up just keep keep taking that next step
1: so here's the lesson ladies if you're listening or watching this podcast whatever you're doing and and just like uh in niku's family you see my photo and you feel the need to drive to canada to meet me do it
0: Yes. Or you can find him on Clubhouse at Bobby Del Rio. You can find him on Instagram, <laughs> hashtag BobMan. There's many places that you can find him. He is insta famous. So if you have a hard time getting a hold of him, just send me a DM on Niku or send me an email at support at Nikulosh.com. I will help connect you too. I'll be the matchmaker, no
1: problem. Oh, and that's cute
0: you know, I try, I try. So, okay. We were talking about uncertainty, managing and navigating uncertainty in business during pandemic. Also in our careers, we talked a lot about your start in film. I really want to know how you found your calling. Cause there's a lot of people that are listening that they're failing forward in life in general, and they're still at a place, whether it's in their twenties, thirties, forties, fifties, or sixties, where they haven't found that thing that gives them purpose drive and desire to wake up in the morning and get going for the day? How did you find your calling so quickly?
1: So this story I I know very precisely, right? Um, So I was at the university of Toronto um, doing commerce prerequisites. I was doing economics, accounting, calculus, all these things. And I was very unhappy, right? I, I actually was so unhappy. I stopped attending my classes. So I would skip months of school at a time What was so interesting is at the same time I had been cast um, and I remember very precisely, it was a, it was a sketch comedy show and I was a first year student and I became the star of the show. Right. And what was so funny is that I would, I would skip all of my classes and then show up 10 minutes early for rehearsal at night. And I went, wait, so it's not that I'm incapable of, of honoring commitments it's i'm unwilling and but for this show um actually it's funny because it was called the bob goes to hollywood it was called the bob which was just every year it was the bob the bob based on this guy named bob from 75 years before and it's so funny like actually See, the back,
0: universe was speaking to you back then when you were in right? school the bob which is you bobby del rio yeah. goes to hollywood i mean the signs wow. are all around us if we just pay attention you are manifested
1: isn't that great you know it's funny i've never said that before out loud i was like oh right that show was called the bob goes to hollywood and that was the show that made me realize oh this is what i want to do it's this and i because i'd been the star of drama club i've been in play since i was six years old i always loved it so much i had such passion for it and then i remember i was having the difficult conversation with my parents where I was going to let them know, look, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do economics and finance anymore. Like I want to be an actor. And I remember I told my mother and I braced myself. I was like, I need to, I need to go to this theater program. And she's like, Oh, I thought that's what you were going to do originally. Thanks for telling me.
0: It's funny how our parents from a very young age, they already know what our our passion or a calling is because they watch us, right? They're observing us. They're seeing what we are the most into. Like I know my son, he's, he's great at so many things. He's very, very smart, but he has like this affinity towards music. If music plays, he's singing, he's dancing. He's hopping on the piano, trying to find the tunes. He's two years old. So I know like down the road, maybe if he gets lost a little bit in life at 20 or 30, I know he's always going to come back to music in some way, shape or form. So it wouldn't surprise me if let's just say, he was trying to become a professional athlete like his dad. And maybe that doesn't work out. Maybe he gets into pro ball. Maybe he doesn't, maybe he moves up the minor leagues. Maybe he doesn't, maybe he plays in the major leagues, gets injured. And then his career is over at 24 years young. I know something's going to pull him back into music because I see the way he lights up from deep within his soul when he is in a musical environment now. So it doesn't surprise me that your mom knew that already.
1: You're a good mom. I can tell. Like just the way that you you're so precise um, with your parenting, it's it's really inspiring.
0: I appreciate that. It is a constant work in process and a lot of failing forward. And I'm working right now on not yelling when he drives me crazy. Cause I know that's not good parenting, but two-year-old tantrums, they're a real thing. And my mom is that are listening, you know. If you guys want to send me an email and let me know how not to yell, because like I know you're supposed to have like a stern voice, like. Kai, no, don't touch that. But I don't know how to have a stern voice without elevating my volume. So if you guys want to help me out with that, send me an email support at Nikulosh.com or follow me on Instagram at Nikulosh and send me a DM there. My mailbox is open and I would love some guidance and direction. I'm not yelling.
1: You're such a nice vibe too, right? Like even like the way you do this podcast, it's so it's like I don't know, you're so effortlessly conversational with me and guiding this interview in this great way, but also like so open to like your audience. It's, it's, It's really cool to just see you like in your element right now.
0: Thank you. I mean, this was a passion project of mine that started during the pandemic, right? People were reaching out to me and they were really, really struggling with their mindset. I had a lot of people that were clients of mine and, you know, we shut the doors down when the pandemic happened for a period of time because- we needed to socially distance. We didn't know what was going on. Um, the gyms that I was teaching at all closed their doors and people were reaching out to me really, really suffering. Um, their mental health was at an all-time low. They were using fitness and movement to help them feel more confident within themselves. It wasn't just like a, let me get super strong and buff and cut and toned and look really, really good in a bikini. It was, Hey, I move my body because it helps me have energy. It helps me to be more productive in my business. And it helps me feel good. Like it's good for my mental health. They were struggling and they would reach out to me and say, I don't know how you can do it, but I need you to find a way to help us continue to move. Even if it's with us locked inside of our houses, maybe you can come and like do a class from outside on the street. Like I will pay you whatever dollars you need and I will watch through the window and I will do it with you. Or maybe we can do like something on FaceTime. I was doing IG lives and then we took that to Zoom. And now we have this whole tribe called the Elevated Tribe where it's on demand and live classes. That all stemmed from a need for people to, want to move together and and have a community where they can still connect with others no matter where they're at no matter what's going on no matter the state of the economy no matter the state of the world no matter if we're in a pandemic or not so I appreciate you for seeing that and acknowledging that because this is a passion project that came out when a woman reached out to me and said you did so much for me when I lost my father and you'll never even know it and I told her what do you mean she said Everyone else was reaching out sending me their condolences, but no one was able to speak to my heart and say, I see where you're at. I know what you're going through. Here's what I did to get through losing my dad. And when she told me that, I said, okay, there are experiences that I've had in my life where I failed forward. There are people that I know that I am highly inspired by, and I put them up on a pedestal that I know have fell forward. And I need to get these stories out there because there are people right now that are suffering in silence and they need to know that they're not alone. They need hope. They need to hear a voice that will talk them off the, off the ledge when times are really, really tough. That's the mission. That's the purpose. That's why I have the feeling forward podcast. It's not for monetization. It's not for sponsorship. Maybe those things will happen down the road, but it truly is just to get a message out there to let people know. That everything that you're going through, every trial and tribulation that you're overcoming, every challenge that you're faced with on a daily basis, whether it's personal, professional, social health, you name it, it's all for a reason. It's not happening to you. It's happening for you. And I'm here to help you figure out what that for is.
1: So I remember maybe it was two or three weeks ago um, and you just did your share on breakfast with champions and I was texting you and I was like, you are meant to do this. You're amazing. Right. Do you remember that? Ah. Uh, and it just, I mean, it's kind of like, we talk all the time. And I'm always like, you're amazing. You're amazing. But I remember precisely it was cause I was like, like when you talk, I, I listen. Right. And I'm like, wow. Like you pull people in. So here's what I'm going to say now that we're zooming you're three times more dynamic. Right. And yes, you look good, but there's like a, I don't know, there's like a, an honesty and a strength that comes out even more with the voice. And I'm going to suspect in person, it's like five times more. You were meant to do this. I, I just wanted to take a moment to say that. Like, it's not often that I meet people who are so clearly destined to do what they're doing that I will do anything I can to amplify you. You're amazing at this. You're helping so many people. I believe in you and let me know what I can do. Cause I just think amplify, amplify, amplify. I can just see how like tapped in and genuine helpful you are. It's pretty cool.
0: Thank you. I appreciate that. I receive that. Um, And without me getting emotional, one of my long-term goals ever since I was in my early twenties, I know a lot of people don't know my story, but I have overcome a couple rounds of major depression, most recently severe postpartum depression. But I did in my teenage years, try to take my own life trigger warning. Um, and I remember there was a therapist I was working with when I was 19. This was a few years after that account. And that therapist told me, she said, I want you to write a letter to your 15-year-old self. And I want you to let her know what life looks like at 19. And then I had another therapist in my 20s that said, I want you to write a letter to that 15-year-old girl. And I want her you to let her know what life looks like at 25. And I recently did this in my 30s. I wrote a letter to that 15-year-old girl. And I said, hey, I know that times are tough right now. I know that Daddy is dying in front of you. I know that mommy doesn't understand your relationship with your dad. I know that you're losing your brother because your family got split. I know that you are scared out of your mind because you're living alone. I know that people are taking advantage of you and people in school don't understand what it's like to be emancipated and have to support yourself. I know what it's like to be sexually abused and put in a situation that you didn't plan for, but I want you to know that when you're in your thirties, you're going to be highly successful and highly impactful. And there are going to be so many teenage girls that need to hear your story that you're going to help save their life on such a big way, because it's not what happened to you. It's all what happened for you. And the God that I believe in would never put me through anything that he knew that I couldn't overcome. He challenges his children that he knows are the strongest with the biggest feats. And life's going to look pretty damn good. <laughs> you're going to be married to an amazing husband. You're going to have an incredible lifestyle. You're going to be gifted the opportunity to leave a high-stress job, to pursue your passion project. And you're going to be pretty kick-ass. But I know you're suffering right now, but know that it's all happening for a reason. And this is just a season. And you're going to get through it. And you're going to be better because of it. Love. Love. Sincerely your 34-year-old self.
1: You're, you're just a star. Um, I want to produce your show. <laughs> like I think I how do
0: I go from crying one second to laughing the next second? I know.
1: I I, I I'm crying now like I'm just like fuck, i all right, swear again. You're the real deal dude, you, you are the real deal. Like I'm all in, I'm all in for Niku. Like let's, I don't know. We talked about this before, but let's do it. I don't know what that means. Um, I've been interviewed 400 times in my career. Okay. Um, 50 times last year from clubhouse. I think you're the most dynamic person who's ever interviewed me in my entire career.
0: Wow, that means a lot
1: in nine thousand ways. I'm like you, and it's like you're so like genuine too, right? It's like comes from such a good healing place. Um, I don't know. I'm I'm into like whatever you want to do to amplify what you're doing. Just let me know. I I know a lot of people. I have a lot of resources. So I want to see you. Yeah.
0: Thank you. I don't know what that looks like. I know the vision that I had in the last decade was always speaking on stages in front of tens and thousands, just to get the message out to more people in one setting, just because I know like it's hard, right. As a wife and as a mother and having all the businesses that I have, like I can't be everywhere. So if I could be in one place with as many people as possible, that's been the vision, but maybe there's a better way. Maybe there's another way that I haven't even thought of. And I totally receive that. And I'm open to collaborating. And again, you know, my mission, you know, my heart, it's, it is about creating positive impact. And it's about shifting the energy and the vibration and the frequency in this world to that of hope, to that of faith, and to that of love, and to know that everything is an opportunity to learn and to fill forward.
1: Every time I talk to you, I feel better about myself. And I have an amazing life. But you and I feel like you probably do this for everyone you there's just like a I don't know there's like a power and a passion that merge with you that I don't know if I've ever seen certainly infrequently it's it's uncommon you have an uncommon collection of gifts that are all clicking at the same time I don't I didn't know you before clubhouse but your time is right now I'm just saying I'm all in and I, I'm, I have over 20 years in the business. I know a lot and I believe in you and I'm going to help you and we're going to work together. Um, and if you're listening to this podcast and you're one of Nico's very beautiful female audience members and you feel the need to drive to Canada, do it. It's worth it. I'll pay for your Uber.
0: I love it. Hashtag BobMan. You guys, do me a favor. Go and give our amazing guest a follow on Instagram on Clubhouse. Um, please support him in his new venture as Tommy. And Polly is a new monogamy, uh, which is going to be airing. Where do we see that? Where is it coming out, Bob? Um,
1: we don't know yet. So, um, so my friend Cat Hostick, she wrote the role for me. I play her best friend. Um, I know that she's been approached by. You know some broadcasters and distributors, so she's in conversation. Um, it's a short form, uh, sex comedy, but I I just think it's going to be a massive hit because the cast is amazing, the writing's amazing, cat's amazing. She directed like it's I I'm very very excited. Um, I think the easiest thing to do is just to like go to my socials. Um, there's a marketing campaign that's starting now, so there's images for me and clips and stuff. So I'm starting to upload. As they come out. Um, But yeah, we don't have a firm like release date or venue. But I do know it's going to be a a massive success. Uh, Not because of me. Um, I'm told that my work is excellent in the show. But I just think everyone's work is excellent. And I can't wait for people to see it.
0: I'm excited to see it. it already sounds like really, really funny and hysterical. And I just, I got to see you behind the scenes. Another place that you guys can actually support Bobby is go to Amazon prime and check out his film, the market that he wrote and directed. Um, it's available in the U S and the UK. And then just do me a favor, you guys check out the links that we're going to drop them below in the show notes, give him a follow on social. This is a guy that he is genuinely one of the most amazing human beings that I know, He has a true passion for helping people find their calling, but, and also allowing people to be heard and amplifying their voice. So, Bobby. I appreciate you. Thank you so much for joining us on the failing forward podcast. Thank you for being vulnerable and sharing your, your struggles and the trials and tribulations between that balance of personal and professional. Thank you for elevating us and giving us some of the tips on how you've become so successful. We truly appreciate you so much love, so much respect for you. And I cannot wait for all of us to meet in real life.
1: Oh, thanks for having me. And I, I just, I just think this is the first of, I don't know, many, I don't know what it is, interviews, collaborations with us. Like, I I just, I really do see you as a star in in the most responsible way, right? There's people who chase it. I don't think you chase it. I think you are it. And I, because you've never asked me for anything, but I'm like, no, you're a star. Let's go. It's so obvious to me. And I you know, like I worked with Drake a year before he got world famous, you know, it was obvious, like I'm very, very good. That's probably my best skill in business in the film and television industry is I'm able to identify the next generation of stars and um, you have it. If you want it, I'll tell you that right now.
0: Thank you. I appreciate you. I accept that. All right, my friends. So There's a lot of work to be done. There's a lot of learning to be done. And we are going to go ahead and land our plane right here. If you love this episode, you love my brother, Bobby, again, don't forget to give him a follow support his endeavors because he is an incredible human being that will not only support you and take you 10 X where you're at right now, but it's just about connection. This community is about bringing people together to let you know that there's hope for a better day. But if you love the episode, please do me a favor subscribe to the podcast below, go ahead and leave us a review, letting us know how this, um, this episode impacted you and share it with a friend because it's through your share and your subscription and your review that we can get this message out to the masses. Thank you for being a part of the failing forward community, Bobby. Thank you for being with us today until next time, my friends.